the advancement in connectivity is probably one of the biggest game changer in the last two decades to think about and along with the internet. So I think connectivity definitely serves as a very critical foundation in many, many areas within Johnson Johnson. Having the connectivity besides the compute power is so crucial right, to support this process to enable us to bring data together from anywhere around the world so that we can drive and support the work that we do. Welcome to The Restless Ones. I'm Jonathan Strickland. I've spent more than a decade really learning about technology, what makes it tech, and then describing and explaining that to my audience. But it's the conversations with the world's most unconventional thinkers, the leaders at the intersection of technology and business that fascinate me the most. In partnership with T-Mobile for Business, I explore the unique set of challenges that CTOs and CIOs and other tech executives face, from advancements in cloud and edge computing, software as a service, Internet of Things, and, of course, 5G. We are often left wondering how the leading minds in business continue to thrive. Let's find out. Our guest today is Rowena Yeo, Chief Technology Officer of Johnson & Johnson. I doubt I need to fill you in on Johnson & Johnson. The company and brand are known far and wide. It's been around since the late 19th century. There are many reasons Johnson & Johnson has stood the test of time, and among those reasons is the fact that the company embraces technological solutions to tackle tough business problems. But as we'll hear in this interview, they need to be the right solutions. Rowena and I sat down to talk about her background and how she came to Johnson & Johnson, as well as her overall philosophy when it comes to designing, evaluating, and implementing tech solutions. She also opened my eyes to how maturing technologies are already transforming the medical industry. True to form, I started off by getting to know her a little bit better. Rowena, thank you so much for joining us on The Restless Ones. It is a pleasure to have you on the program. Hey, thanks, Jonathan, for having me. It's my pleasure to be here today. I always love to start these episodes by learning a bit more about the background of my guest. And the question I always start with is, uh, how did you first get interested in technology? Jonathan, I've always been curious about things around me, like solar system, how rainbows are formed. And I would say that I've always been a big lover of math and science. Um, I love to create things, assemble things. So I would say my earliest exposure to technology was probably playing the game where in the world is common San Diego on a Macintosh with my brother and my cousins when we were young. But I really, really got interested in technology when I started university, when I was pursuing my engineering degree. I was just amazed how technology could be used at that time. It was just computing where you use programming to build modeling in CAD CAM to look at engineering design. I was also interested in terms of how technology was being used to connect with one another. Um, <laughs> I don't know whether you remember those days where we have internet relay chats and that's where how we kind of connect with one another on um, using a green screen, by the way. But I think my real love for technology really, really deepened when I joined IBM after graduation as a systems engineer and working with customers in terms of looking at technology and solving problems. And that's where I think, wow, this is the space that I really want to be in. That's great. I mean, you already won my heart with Carmen Sandiego. I was a big fan of Carmen Sandiego as well. On top of that, 
Uh, I also remember the IRC days. So you get into engineering. Uh, what were some of the things about engineering that really appealed to you? I mean, most engineers I know kind of view the world as a series of challenges or, or sometimes even problems to solve and finding elegant ways to go about that. Was that sort of your experience that led you through your university and into IBM? Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I love math. I love science, but I also love how math and science could be applied to solve problems. So I chose to solve problems, create solutions, and make something useful that people can use. And if you look at kind of where I'm typically the person at home to assemble um, an IKEA furniture, if it's there, I'm the first one to to want to make something out of something. So it's uh, it's really kind of what got me started. How do I apply what I learned in terms of creating solutions, creating products um, for the people around me? And I think my formal exposure to technology really started in university, as I shared, and I became really, really immersed um, in technology in my professional career, namely with IBM and subsequently with, with Cargill. And it was really those experiences that I had. And as you said, kind of using technology as the platform and the perfect avenue for me to, to develop solutions and bring innovative capabilities to life. Can you tell me a bit about your career path and what brought you to Johnson & Johnson? Yeah, after spending about a few years in IBM as a systems engineer, I joined the global food and agricultural company Cargill. And Cargill at that time was growing in Asia Pacific. And I had the wonderful opportunity of working with a small team at that time in Asia Pacific to establish all the way from infrastructure, building applications uh, as they grow their footprint in the region. And I had just a wonderful time doing different roles in Cargill over my 20 years and subsequently became the global group CIO for the agricultural trading and processing enterprise. And in those roles that I have, I had the opportunity to just work with business, to develop business and IT strategies, very importantly, implementing technology capabilities for the business as they grow in the region, but also subsequently globally in my global, global role. And after spending about 20 years with Cargill, I joined Johnson Johnson in 2016 as the VP for IT in the pharmaceutical sector in Asia Pacific. And what really attracted me to j j is the credo, the impact I can make in the healthcare space, and the wonderful people I met through the process. And this subsequently then led me to my current role as the Chief Technology Officer for Johnson Johnson, leading j js technology services organization, where my team and I are now responsible for defining and implementing j js holistic technology strategy across the different sectors. And we have a mission together with our business technology teams to make technology decisions that impact both our J&J employees, but as well as our customers and other stakeholders that we serve. And I imagine that there are some really interesting challenges that come with that as well. I think about often the CTOs I speak with, you know, they are people who have incredible depth of knowledge about technology and how technology can potentially support various business initiatives. They are good communicators. They know how to get buy-in from different uh, stakeholders in order to be able to initiate a solution. But you're also in a field that has its own incredibly deep knowledge base, that of the, the medical industry and the pharmaceutical industry, I suspect that that requires a, a, a true finesse with communication so that you can make certain that the solutions you provide are 
effectively adding to the overall mission of the company and not just, you know, throwing technology at something just to make just to throw tech at it. So so what has that been like uh, in order to really refine your approach and to align it with uh, the mission of Johnson & Johnson? J&J, as you know, is the largest and probably the most comprehensive healthcare company in the world. And J&J has reimagined health and well-being for more than 130 years as we serve our patients, our doctors, our nurses, our mothers and fathers, and all others who use our products and services. And if you think about where J&J is today, we continue to innovate everything from skin care to cancer treatments to medical devices and the use of technology of the times to really advance health around the world. So it's um, one of the key things around being the CTO for J&J is to ensure that we have a very, very solid, resilient and scalable and secure digital foundation. And this is the foundational core that provides to meet the diverse needs of our business for today. And also to your point, we have to think about the future as well. And also, how does it help us solve really, really complex problems in healthcare today through the use of applications and data science, for example? So I think this is something that we continue to live in on a daily basis. It's kind of mind-boggling to me because I sort of have a grasp on the technology side of things, but then I start thinking about uh, how do you maintain a level of service where you are allowing the other uh, divisions within J&J to do what they need to do. And when you start getting into those levels of, of incredible expertise, you just see how complicated it gets. You have to really specialize. So to be able to provide that sort of support to incredibly specialized fields, you know, we're talking about things like like drug discovery is incredibly complex uh, and and relies on some phenomenal technology. That's the sort of stuff that just uh, blows my socks off if, if I'm just being honest. I was looking forward to hearing about Rowena's role as well as which technologies are critical to Johnson & Johnson's business. Let's say that you're at a casual setting and they say, so what do you do for a living? How do you describe that in sort of plain language so people kind of get a grasp of what it is you do? In a simple way, I help business solve business problems using technology as a foundation. And I would say that overall, I'm a part of a, a wonderful team that really explore and delivers innovative technology that directly enable Johnson Johnson's growth, agility, and also success as a company. See, this is what I love about the Restless Ones, is I get to speak with people who are problem solvers, they're passionate about what they do, and so frequently, the things that they do are – you can see the positive impact that they can have on the world around us. I mean, you you can't get more apparent than uh, the healthcare industry, I would say, like the, the actual outcomes of that work. Uh, this is a great opportunity for us to segue into leadership and the technologies that you are working with and relying upon. So what are some of what you would call mission-critical technologies, the things that underlie uh, what you do over at Johnson & Johnson? There's a lot within J&J. And uh, as I kind of shared with you in terms of kind of the mission of J&J and how diverse our set of business is building that foundational capabilities around having a solid, resilient, and scalable and very secure digital core is really foundational too us in terms of providing that mission-critical technology base. And one of the things around that space is 
our cloud and hosting environment and our network. These are the two fundamental areas that I would say we need to have a very strong commitment and to continue to deliver and to modernize and to invest in in these two areas. So in the cloud and hosting space, we have a a hybrid and multi-cloud strategy where we are looking at enabling mission-critical applications such as our ERPs, our manufacturing facilities, our lab systems, and to help advance technology and analytic capabilities as well and increasing the agility and improve our overall competitiveness through speed to market. And given the complexity of our network environment today and the work that we do we are right now focusing on leveraging software-defined wide area networks and automation to improve our ability to drive reliability, resiliency, and security. So we are putting very strong emphasis also on using analytics to keep JJ's assets secure by predicting threats, preventing data leaks, and also quantifying our cyber risk. So these foundations are really, really critical to enable our technology ecosystem, which include other critical areas as well, such as our manufacturing systems, our logistic systems, safety, regulatory systems, amongst others. And the integrated environment is really crucial to ensure that we are able to continue to deliver life-saving medicines to our patients at all times. At T-Mobile for Business, unconventional thinking means we see things differently, so you can focus on what matters most. Where some see another small town, we see businesses in need of connectivity. So we built the largest 5G network to cover cities, towns, and the most interstate miles in between. Where some see a caller in a queue, we see an opportunity for our experts to provide solutions without transfers. Where some see another virtual meeting, we see 5G enabling wireless, real-time translations almost anywhere you do business. Our unique approach built America's largest, fastest 5G network and also delivers exceptional customer support and 5G included in every plan. So you get it all without trade-offs. Unconventional thinking is better for business. T-Mobile for business. Fastest 5G based on average overall combined 5G speeds according to Open Signal Awards USA. 5G user experience report October 2021. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. I'm curious, when you came in at 2016, I mean, as, to your point, you mentioned that Johnson & Johnson is a very old company. Were there uh, or are there legacy systems that uh, are, are things that you have to take into account while you're also trying to incorporate more cutting-edge solutions? I mean, as with any large company like us, a company continues to acquire companies and you kind of bring all this together. There are legacy environments. We have to modernize. There are also things that we have to shift, right? As we move into the cloud space, how do we modernize some of the applications to be able to live into the world of cloud so that we can leverage the capabilities and the innovation? So yes, we see um, quite a bit of that. Um, and as a company, we are also having a very purposeful plan as we think about how do we enable us to be agile, enable us to be able to serve our customers and stakeholders and patients that's one of those things that I think people who might, maybe their experience is largely in startups, they might not have a full appreciation for taking systems that have been around for a long time, keeping them consistent, keeping them accessible, making sure that there's no interruption of service while also trying to port them over into more modern systems. 
that's a non-trivial task, especially at scale. Well, how did the pandemic change things at Johnson & Johnson? Clearly, that has been an event that has been a critical shift for a lot of companies. What technologies really became crucial for you in order to be able to, again, maintain that consistency in a world that seemed to change overnight? The pandemic has definitely accelerated the adoption of digital technologies and a strong push towards a digital workforce, a hybrid work model, changes the way we get work done and also shifted the way we engage with our customers and key stakeholders to ensure that we continue to effectively run our global operations and supply chain in R&D and to serve the billion lives that we touch each day to a point about you know, driving operations at scale. And with our workforce, we have to enable global employees to continue to deliver on our business imperatives. And at the same time, we want to keep everyone safe. So the shift to remote working during the height of the pandemic accelerated the need to focus on enabling and empowering employees to work anywhere, anytime. And that requires us to develop self-service platforms in addition to collaboration tools that we have. We also need to create new services for our employees uh, in terms of onboarding and training and speed up the deployment of a few of the collaboration tools that we have within the company. The other area I would say kind of shifted the way we work is the way we interact with our customers and our patients and our healthcare professionals. We have to leverage digital interaction capabilities to continue to serve our healthcare professionals and patients around the world and enabling digital training, um, digital capabilities, increasing For example, in the use of AR and VR for our surgical training with physicians, enhancing solutions that we have today to interact with patients around the world, for example, to minimize disruption to our clinical trials. And in the consumer space, we have also seen new approaches to consumer innovation, such as the increasing use of digital channels to reach our customers in our consumer health space and creating very, very highly personalized digital experiences for our customers connecting, for example, telehealth and telemedicine providers to allergy sufferers in one of the examples that we have. Look at the back end in terms of our supply chain space. As I mentioned, J&J develops and produces essential products for our customers and patients. So it is of utmost importance for us to continue the flow of life-saving medicines and products and also keeping our employees safe at the same time. So we have to leverage technologies that we have existingly and also innovate the way we work virtually, leveraging data and automation um, using, for example, highly automated scenario risk simulation technology to very quickly respond to fluctuations in customer demand during the pandemic and also to minimize delivery disruptions using virtual connectivity such as smart glass technology by our quality experts so that they can work remotely And then talking about data and the use of data science, I've also seen an increase in the use of data and data science capabilities during this time. Um, And they are becoming more and more critical as we drive insights and also outcomes. And with that, we also leverage very heavily on our cloud capabilities to allow faster accessibility to this vast amount of data that we have around the world to accelerate our data scientists' ability to uncover unprecedented insights, whether is it into diagnostics, disease pathways, and ultimately driving patient outcomes. And so it's just a lot of um, 
mission critical activities that we have within the company during this time that we continue to drive. Automation is another one, right? Looking at embracing end-to-end automation and using AI on top of automation, building and scaling capabilities in the space and leveraging those in terms of automating our environment because we can't physically be on site to support our hardware. How do we use automation to manage the environment um, and to support and to minimize physical interaction on the site? Well, first, Rowena, let me say that your description puts most science fiction films to shame when you start thinking about the complexity and the sophistication of some of the tools you're talking about. I mean, when we start thinking about things like smart glass and you're thinking about augmented reality and virtual reality, these are technologies that uh, a lot of people I don't think have had direct experience with. One thing I also wanted to mention is that a lot of these uh, pieces you're talking about, obviously, the convergence of uh, those disciplines evolving and the fact that we're reaching a point in connectivity where persistent connectivity is possible, that's what really makes all of this work together, right? You are so spot on. The advancement in connectivity is probably one of the biggest game changer in the last two decades. I think it's really changed the way we engage, the work we do, and it's just as you said, providing integrated capabilities to deliver solutions to problems that we don't even know we have, you know, even at times. So I think connectivity definitely serves as a very critical foundation in many, many areas within Johnson Johnson. To give you an example, in the area of like drug discovery, the process takes years because we just have vast amounts of data. That data comes from different sources, whether they are molecular data to genomic sequencing data, and we have to find ways to speed up the process. So to your point, having the connectivity besides the compute power is so crucial to support this process to enable us to bring data together from anywhere around the world so that we can drive and support the work that we do. Now we're getting to a point where we have fiber-level connectivity wirelessly, And it opens up the opportunity for all new applications where not only are we processing data very quickly, not only are we gathering data from various sources like Internet of Things devices, we can also make use of that information faster than ever. And that to me is the most exciting part is that I start to see this ecosystem where there are no obvious uh, unsolvable bottlenecks, uh, at least to our current capabilities. And that, to me, means that we're going to see an explosion in innovation and applications moving forward in the next few years. Right now, with the availability of compute power, and you can see that coming, whether it's sitting on the cloud or on-premise, you can get the compute power you need to drive a lot of the machine learning work that we do today. I think the key to the use of technology, it's, it's not just about the technology itself, but also right? What business problems are we trying to solve? And similarly, in the drug discovery, we need to make sure that we have the scientists to ask the right questions, and therefore then we drive the right algorithms to be able to test the hypothesis that we have. And so it's really important that we combine science with technology to drive exactly what you just said, right? to create the ability for us to whether use drug discovery to create life-saving medicines or use simulation to drive and to provide better visibility in terms of our inventory and therefore minimize um, supply delays. I get caught up in the technology side of things. So I can very easily 
get over-enthusiastic about the tech solution, which is why I'm thankful that we have leaders like you who, who take a little more time to think this through critically before they try to implement something that's not really a solution. Um, so, so what are some of the, the typical hurdles that you face when you're trying to roll out new technologies? We think about technology. Technology cannot be used in isolation. It must be used to solve key business problems. And very often the question I ask is what problems are we trying to solve? And what can we do to enable, to use technology to enable business outcomes, uh, patient outcomes, or as a competitive advantage for the company? And to your question around the hurdles, I see technology as a part of a larger ecosystem where you need to integrate process and the people into the equation. And one of the hurdles we often have to cross before we roll out new technologies, understanding the problem we're trying to solve, understanding how technology can enable and support the business in their strategy. And very importantly, to have that open and transparent conversations with the business, not just in terms of what technology can do, but also to understand the capacity of the organization for the change that it will bring. Because as with most of the digital transformation that I've seen, a percentage of that is technology, but a large percentage of that in, of transformation is in the leadership and the change management behind it. So getting teams to adopt new ways of working, uh, whether is it through new operating models, changing the way they work, adopting new processes as a big part of adopting new technologies as critical. So I think it's really important also for us when we think about rolling new technology to cross that hurdle to just create small first launches with early adopters and users that have a strong interest in seeing how this new technology and the new processes can improve the way we work and improve business outcomes. And the other piece I feel is around the fuzziness about, hey, what technology can bring. So I think be very vigilant in terms of having the right measurement so that you can demonstrate successes and then take the learnings before you scale. One of the other hurdles, I'm sure most of the other companies would um, agree with me, it's around the area of having the right talent and skills. And so this is a space that we constantly have to think about in terms of how do we have the right skill sets, the right talent, and the right partners in place so that we can ensure that the critical capabilities and resources are there to support our mission. When it comes to emerging and cutting-edge tech, we often see a lot of development in the medical industry in particular. I wanted to pick Rowena's brain about the technologies that will power the future of Johnson & Johnson's business. We talked a bit about connectivities and things like the Internet of Things, the you know, data collection. Can you go into a little more detail about how the Internet of Things and the expansion of 5G connectivity are supporting Johnson & Johnson's digital health initiatives? So the Internet of Things is definitely having a significant impact on health initiatives across a number of different areas. Um, what we have seen, um, particularly in the manufacturing of pharmaceutical and consumer health products, we're seeing that product lines are increasingly becoming network connected at numerous points and therefore allowing operators to monitor every aspect of the manufacturing process to ensure that we have the quality and the throughput. And in the clinical trial space uh, with patient monitoring, wearables and other devices are being given to patients, which allow for in-home testing to be performed with data being collected by the device and uploaded by a Wi-Fi or 5G or 4G so that the clinical trial system or to a patient portal, which is then accessible by a nurse or a physician. 5G definitely holds a lot of promise in terms of what 
it can provide. And particularly within here in JJ, we have seen use cases where the need for a low latency, a higher bandwidth, and a more deterministic network solution with guaranteed latency is a requirement, and therefore allows for speed of delivery and faster access to use cases like we just we talk about with Internet of Things, in robotic surgery, in autonomous vehicles, for example. So what we are doing within 5G as part of our next generation network, we are looking at developing a 5G architecture and the design so that we can leverage in a few business use cases. We are looking at how do we use that to to help increase the ability for us to connect all these IoT devices we spoke about, uh, equipments and data linking them back to our production systems with our digital production platforms. We are also looking at how do we improve operational reliability and accuracy with integrated autonomous and movable components such as autonomous intelligent vehicles um, for track and trace within our operations facility. So the industry is still evolving, I think, in the 5G space and we're definitely looking at partnering with our business, with our partners externally also to build minimal viable products in those areas that I spoke about. So something for us to watch in terms of what it can bring. The realities of the pandemic have in many ways sort of opened our eyes to the possibilities. We had to adapt because the reality was we couldn't just do things the way we had been doing them. That's where I start to see really exciting uh, developments in things like how can we leverage the fact that we we can have 5G connectivity and have a fiber level connection even if there's no physical fiber going to that location. It's where I think of things like tele, telemedicine, telesurgery, uh, things where you need that low latency. I mean, it's absolutely critical in those kinds of applications where in the future, 5G, I would expect, would play a pretty critical role and would open up opportunities for people who are in underserved populations who might not otherwise have access to uh, a, a first-in-class you know, surgeon. They might suddenly be able to do that because we have these underlying technologies that power it. I find that really uh, an optimistic view of the future and something that uh, I personally find really exciting. Think about like 20 years ago, what we could do today on the cell phone, you could never imagine that we could do all of that. And similarly, I think with 5G, I think the promise of what it can bring with what we just talked about, right, with low latency, high throughput, and the ability to deliver capabilities around the world. I think it's just amazing. Um, I think the day will come where, to your point about the sci- you know, sci-fi fiction um, that we see, some of those, those things that we, you know, we can only imagine would come to life. And even in the space of digital surgery, I mean, that can become a possibility in the near future with the use of 5G. Well, uh, how do you see tech shaping the way we monitor health? I mean, we've, we've talked about wearables. Are we heading toward a future where we're going to have more of these sorts of technologies that uh, are able to monitor health on an individual basis and provide, uh, you know, more individualized and and more immediate care. If you think about some of the areas that we are looking at right now, in terms of just with clinical trials, as I shared earlier on, with patient monitoring, that's a space whereby wearable technologies can definitely help support the monitoring of the patient in terms of where they are with clinical trials that they participate in. 
Wearables are definitely being adopted as a device that's given to patients to allow for in-home testing to be performed. And so it's definitely the space that um, is going to continue to grow. And with predictive AI coming into play as well, that also has a vast implications in terms of how we adopt this in the healthcare system and healthcare providers. And I think one of the things that we are seeing also is the use of AI and machine learning, helping healthcare professionals identify risk factors so that they can diagnose um, diseases earlier and in a very non-invasive way. And in the surgical space, this technology is also offering people better outcomes for, for sure. We have within J&J our advanced case management solution, and that's one technology that's using, for example, proprietary AI algorithm to help with pre-operative planning for joint replacement procedures. And with it, our medical device business can connect directly to hospitals, electronic health records in real time, and using predictive AI, it can ensure that the right device sizes and instrument kits are being made available for a given procedure. And so this also you know, has a huge impact in terms of waste reduction, ensuring that we have the right fitting device available for each patient as needed. It's incredibly exciting. I love that, you know, in your in your quest to solve business problems, it, that also obviously has a direct impact on quality of life for people who and uh, so while we, you know, we can look at this from different aspects, right, we can look at it and ways that end up saving uh, time and resources and money and making things more efficient on the business side. And you see the actual impact on people's lives on the other side. And it's a, a, a positive story overall. I mean, the goal is to make those the best us all areas. I wasn't about to let Rowena go without asking her one more thing. What is some advice you would give to future CTOs? I think companies are shifting to become exponentially more digital and adapting to more centric, collaborative and agile ways of working. And we're also seeing businesses moving and shifting from a technology operations mindset to technology innovation and where technology and business strategies are so intertwined. And as business and their use of technology is quickly evolving, I, I see the role of CTO evolving as well, including mine. Here in Johnson Johnson. I would say that my advice for future and current CTO is to not only understand technology, but you must have a strong passion around using technology to solve critical business challenges and never lose sight of the business impact and the outcomes that technology can deliver. And technology is only a part of the equation of the entire ecosystem. So ensuring that we continue to work very closely with our business to manage the change digital transformation will bring and not forgetting the people. Our team is so critical in enabling all of that. So enabling, building a strong team that understands this mission and understand how to strategically deliver technology to make the world a better place. Um, it's definitely very important. That's very valuable advice to follow in order to take in the big picture and take that into consideration when you move forward. Rowena, Thank you so much for joining us for this episode. Thanks, Jonathan, for having me. I've really enjoyed uh, this um, time with you. So thank you for inviting me here. Speaking with Rowena was a genuine pleasure. Her passion for problem solving, particularly with the end goal of improving people's lives, is the sort of thing I find really inspirational. And 
I always find that in the middle of these conversations, I start to connect dots that I never really considered before. It becomes a bit of an exercise in free association. And for a moment, I get a sense of what it must be like to be a leader like Rowena. Except, you know, I'm nowhere near as capable as she is. But it is this convergence of technologies that I really find fascinating. From my side, I think about the cool things this tech of tomorrow will be able to do from a consumer standpoint. But when I step outside of that and consider the opportunities for innovation, I really get excited. I suspect companies will implement solutions that I might never directly observe, and yet they will have a profound effect on the success of those businesses. And it's all made possible by this era of computational power, the capacity to collect and analyze data, the ability to create action plans based on that analysis, and the connectivity that holds all these different pieces together. Make sure you join us for future episodes of The Restless Once, where we'll speak with more of the leaders who are defining the future of tech in business. I'm Jonathan Strickland. At T-Mobile for Business, unconventional thinking means we see things differently, so you can focus on what matters most. That's why we've built America's largest, fastest 5G network while remaining a partner who delivers exceptional customer support and 5G included in every plan. So you get it all. Unconventional thinking is better for business. Fastest 5G based on average overall combined 5G speeds according to Open Signal Awards USA. 5G user experience report October 2021. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. 